text this morning. I'm going to pray and we're going to get started. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9. These are the words of Moses. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now listen to these action verbs that he uses. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Lord, I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon the words that I'm going to speak today and upon your people as they hear these words. Lord, I pray something that's said today will find good soil and produce a bountiful, a bountiful harvest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, home is a lot of work. Just plain work. When work at home is planned and organized for cooperation, there can usually be more time for leisure. I'm certainly in favor of those things. Leisure, fun. Who is it? Wouldn't we all be happier if we worked out a little system for living together in harmony? But how can we manage them? We'll have to work out the full answer together. Say, Mom, this well. problems can be solved through frank and friendly discussion, which points the way to a happy family life. You know, this is beginning to be quite a family project. It certainly is. So last Sunday we began a new series called Our Imperfect Family, and last week we unpacked four important facts about our imperfect families. And I want to remind you what we said last week. If you missed it, Go back and watch it and catch up. But last week we said this. We said appearances are deceiving when it comes to families. We said that comparison is defeating. When we compare ourselves to anybody else, we'll always be defeated. Imperfection is actually biblical, so that made us feel a little bit better. But we ended with this idea that stability is critical. And we said that the, the story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 7 of the wise and foolish builder is really... Uh, just great uh, foundational truths that we should build our families and our lives on the rock of the teachings of God's Word. And so we finished with this key thought last week. We said, my family may be not perfect, but my foundation is. And so we're going to pick up right there where we left off last week. And today, this message today is for parents specifically, for grandparents today. For those of you who want to be a parent one day, okay, and you don't have kids, but you're like, hey, this is not for me. No, you really need to hear this because you're starting with nothing, all right? And if you just have influence over children, this message is for you today. So I think we just covered everybody in the room that even though we're really going to talk about parenting today, that it's going to fit for everybody here today. So let me see by a show of hands. Raise your hand up real high if you are a perfect Parent, let me see. I want to see if they're here today. Okay, all right. Y'all come to the altar right now because you just lied and you're not perfect, okay? I can remember when I found out in the first few weeks when we found out that we were, Tressa was pregnant with our, with our first son, Trent. We had been married about a year. 
And I can remember thinking, we're not ready. This is way too soon. This is a surprise. And I remember standing, looking out the window in, in our living room, in our apartment in northern Kentucky, and, and talking to my mom on the phone and saying, we're not ready for this. And, uh, and this was not what we planned. And, and uh, this was not in the cards. And she said, look, Les, everybody does this. You'll be okay. She said, that child will fit into your life and your schedule. And, and it'll be all right. And you're going to be a great parent. And, uh, and those words really reassured me. But, you know, when, we, when you have that first child, some of you are, have been there recently. Or you're there now. Or, or think way back. When it comes to perfection, you shoot for perfection with that first child. Mom goes and gets the book, What to Expect While Expecting, and she reads that book so, so she doesn't miss anything. Dad even goes to the Lamaze class if he's worth a quarter and tries to find out how to catch, if he's got a catch or whatever he needs to do in that setting. And remember the baby's room, the first baby's room? It was perfect. It was the cleanest, nicest, most amazing room in the house until the baby came home. And then it smelled like poop, and there was spit up all over the place. And then the ball starts rolling, and by the time you have that second, third, fourth kid, they could be in the floor eating dirt, and you're like, they'll be okay. <laughs> Everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? We know that it's just not perfect when it comes to those things. And, and raising children, man, it's an adventure, Every season and every stage brings another challenge, right? And you think, you know, this, this season is rough, but then you wait to the next one, and you wait to the next one. And, and I'm just going to tell you, you know, the, the good thing about the, the young years, they may be crazy, but they're cheap. It gets real expensive the older they get. I got three people, I, uh, three teenagers, young adults on my car insurance, and, 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 and even Brother Paul over there can't perform any miracles, you know, with Allstate on that. It, it's, it's, it's an expensive thing. But as we said on the screen, my foundation may not, my, my family may not be perfect, but my, but my foundation is. And last week we had a little fun looking at some families who, um, who were trying to be perfect. And I thought it might be fun again today to, to think about some parents and see some parents who tried to get the perfect family photo, but they fell short. Look at this family. They tried. They thought the way we get a perfect family photo is we all match vests, you know, ties, everything. And then I don't know why we thought there was anything good about this style of picture in the 80s. Just completely weird. Why did we do that? <laughs> Some of y'all still have one of those somewhere. I mean, what's more perfect than, than mom coming out of dad's head? That, that's just completely bizarre. And, and then, I don't know what to say about this family. I mean, awkwardfamilyphotos.com. There is a lot of imperfection in that photo. And then this next family, they were really shooting hard for perfection with the hair and the makeup. I mean, the late 80s are blaring right there, I'm telling you. They're really going for it. And, and then this one, I have no words for this family. <laughs> Bob Mullet, Jane Mullet, and little Billy Mullet. And they live in Alabama, right, or South Carolina. They're not in Georgia, right? My goodness gracious, get that off the screen. Let's go to the next, next slide. So this morning, we're going to talk about unchanging principles for imperfect parents. There's some things we need to know because we know we're imperfect as parents and grandparents. But there are some principles that are going to help us because even though we know we're imperfect, we shoot for excellence. We want the very best for our families and our kids, right? 
And, and so we want to shoot to do things the very best that we can. And so this morning, we're going to talk about some unchanging principles for imperfect parents. And here's what this message is going to be like today. It's going to be like drinking from a fire hose, okay? Because I'm going to talk fast. I'm going to have a lot of scriptures and I've got a lot to share in about two hours, okay? So y'all just, I hope y'all got your, okay, we got another service coming in an hour and nine minutes. So we can't be that long. But I do have a lot of information I want to share with you today. And it's going to come at you fast. But here's the thing. If you use the Version Bible app, all the points, all the scriptures are there. You can save it and you can go back. And my prayer for you has been that today something that you need to hear as a parent or a grandparent, you're going to leave with something. I know when I go to a conference or an event, I take in a lot of information. But if I can leave with one or two things that are going to make me a better pastor or parent or dad or person, I'm good. So that's what I'm hoping for you today, okay? So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. The first unchanging principle for imperfect parents is train specifically. There's probably not a a book in the Bible that tells us more about parenting than the book of Proverbs. If if you ever just need to sharpen up your parenting skills, go to the book of Proverbs. And I want to share with you some specific things that the book of Proverbs tells us how we should train our children and our grandchildren. Okay, this is still all under point number one. Those of, the, those of you who want to make sure you get it just right. These are a lot of little points under point number one. The first one is train your family to manage God's money. Train them to manage God's money. Proverbs says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And the key word here is on the next line, with the first fruits of your crop. You teach your children that the first 10% is God's and you model that by giving 10% to the local church. And the promise in verse 10 says, when you honor God with the first fruits, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. The second thing we need to do is train them to carefully select friends. Can I get an amen right there? Train them to carefully select friends. The proverb says, walk with the wise and become what? For a companion of fools suffers harm. How many of you can think back to your past and say, amen? I remember hanging around some foolish, crazy people, and that did not work well for me. I had a mentor in my life who would say it like this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Carefully select friends. Train your children to watch their words. Proverbs 4.24 says, Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. So if we're going to train our children to watch their words, guess who they're watching? They're watching us. And they're watching our words. So I want to ask you this morning, okay, it's already going to get tough in the first five minutes. What are they hearing come out of your mouth? Not just cursing. Yeah, let's eliminate the cursing, okay? But let's also eliminate negativity. Let's eliminate talking about people behind their backs and gossip. Let's eliminate dirty jokes and language. Let's eliminate Husbands and wives, those friction moments that we speak to each other and our children here. And I'm not talking about not being real. I don't, I don't think you need to paint an unrealistic picture. But you need to be careful about how you speak to your husband or your wife because your children are watching. 
And they're going to model what they see. So if we want them to watch their words, we need to watch our words. Somebody say, he's talking to me. The next one, train them to be responsible. Train them responsibility. The proverb says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. The ant has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food and harvest. What we're saying in this point is, parents, teach your children responsibility. Give them chores at an early age. It's okay. You got a, you got a workforce right there in your house. Teach them how to take out the trash and the dishes and do those things. Give them responsibility. And can I, can I tell you this, parents? By the time they're in middle school or high school, they should be doing their own laundry. Some of you are like, what? Absolutely. You are, hey, listen, mama, let go. You're raising them to let go. I'm going to say it. I think it's a good chance that you may not have been as successful as you should have been as a parent if your kid's still living in your basement at 30 and you've not trained them to go out. The scripture says leave and cleave. Okay? So we need to be doing that. Don't do everything for them. Teach them so that when they go to college, they already know how to do those things. Wow, it's quiet in here. And you know how good it's going to feel, mom and dad, when you teach your kids in middle school and high school to do their own laundry? That's one more thing you don't have to deal with. That's good advice. Y'all are real quiet, but that's real good stuff. (laughs) Train them next to guard their minds. There's a lot of stuff coming at them. We can't stop the, the amount of information. Just the commercials alone, just watching a decent television show, and then all the stuff that's in between promoting the other shows. So you got to train your kids to guard their minds so that they see relationships and situations that they're like, hey, that, you, you say it's a teachable moment. The scripture says more than anything, guard your mind, protect your mind for your life flows from it. Here's the next one. Train them to be generous. Train your children to see other needs, not just their own needs. The proverb says a generous person will what? Prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It it fills you up to fill somebody else up. Amen? Here's the last one. Train them to fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. All that's under the first point, train specifically. There's some specific things that you need to be training your kids. Here's the second point of the message. Unchanging principles for imperfect parents. Number two, touch lovingly. We hear a lot today about inappropriate touch, right? There's a book out there called Good Touch, Bad Touch. We teach our kids to understand and recognize that uh-oh feeling, right? And, and, and we want our kids to understand the difference. But there's something important that we should teach our children, not just those things, but they should see modeled from us how important it is for us to touch them and care for them lovingly. And, you know, I know even in today's culture, just seeing that touch lovingly, some, there's a part of us that's like, that kind of sounds uncomfortable. But that, that tells us how much the world has stolen from us. Look at what the Scripture says. Look what Jesus did in Mark chapter 10. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could what? 
Y'all better wake up 9 o'clock. I know I already made you mad about the laundry, but help me out. Jesus could what? Touch them and bless them. Okay. Now, I don't think, because I'm going to tell you what the Greek word here is in a second. This doesn't mean Jesus just went through and just touched them all on the head. Okay. That Greek word right there is the word haptomahi, and it means to attach oneself or embrace is what that word touched me. So what that means is that when those parents brought those children to Jesus, maybe Jesus is sitting on a rock or he's hanging out. And if you've seen um, episode two of season one of The Chosen, it's a great example of Jesus' interaction with children. And I think this means that Jesus loved on those kids. He hugged those kids. He encouraged them. Maybe they jumped up in his lap and pulled his hair and pulled his beard and he laughed with them. And he, he, um, he really spent some time encouraging those kids. Jesus, we know, he was very relational with everybody around him. So it would make sense that he spent time loving on these kids. I read a story this week about an unusual king named King Frederick II who lived in the 13th century. And he had this weird idea for a, an experiment. He wanted to find out if, if children once born were not taught any type of specific language, what language would they speak? So he had these 50 children brought to this place where he conducted this experiment. And he told these uh, women who were looking after these children, here's the rules. You don't talk to them. You don't give them baby talk. You don't hold them and nourish them. Only thing I want you to do for a year is feed them and change their diapers. Let's see what happens with them. What language will they learn to speak? Well, unfortunately, none of the 50 children lived to be one year old. It wasn't because they weren't eating. and It wasn't because their diapers weren't being changed. It was because some believed they didn't have the relational touch and connectivity. They were lacking emotional and relational nourishment. And that speaks to how important loving touch is. Okay, back to Jesus. In, in Mark 6.56, it says, Wherever Jesus went, Villages, towns, countryside. They placed the sick in the marketplace and they begged him to let them what? Touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched him were healed. This, this, this description appears around 20 times in the Gospels. And what it tells us is that in almost all of those 20 times when there was touch, there was healing. So what that tells us is there is power in appropriate, loving touch. The studies say that little girls are touched in loving, appropriate ways five times more than little boys. So get the idea, when, when, when children are small, say under five, you know, they're, they're so equally cute and we hug and love on them. But we, we tend to hug and love more on the little girls because they're, they're more cute and lovable and, and feminine and delicate. And the little boys are out there running and rough. But here's the fact. Your little boy, your son who's 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, he needs that love. He needs that touch. He needs that physical affection. And for some of you, this is outside of your comfort zone because you weren't raised in a family like that. But my goodness, give your family something you didn't have. 
Because if they don't receive and understand what, what healthy physical touch is in your house, they'll find it somewhere else. When they're touched, when children and teens are touched appropriately by a loving, godly person, they'll learn to say no when someone wants to touch them inappropriately. It's a powerful thing, this idea of touch and loving on them. And even as they get older, even as they're stinky, sweaty, perspirating, nasty teenagers... They need you to grab hold of them and give them a hug and love on them. And, and dads with, with daughters, I've been in this position. When your daughter starts moving from a little girl to a preteen girl, it's, it's very uncomfortable because you're trying to be appropriate, but you're her father. Have those moments when you sit on the couch and you put your arm around her and you watch a movie. You give her a full hug. You're her dad. It's not inappropriate. Let's take this back and let's love and show our kids what, what appropriate loving touch is all about. This is something that, that's easy for us to do and it's powerful and it's what Jesus did. So train specifically, touch lovingly. Number three, give abundantly. Give what? Well, kids spell love T. I-M-E. Give time abundantly. Now in the story of Jesus, it says people were bringing the little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. We read that a moment ago. The disciples rebuked them. And in verse 14, it says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And that means he was not happy, y'all. He was a little irritated with what they were doing. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus knew how to value the moment. This is important right here. Did he have the most important job on the planet? Yes. But he took time out of his schedule of healing and preaching and providing and feeding, and leading, and calling, and raising the dead to spend time with children. His disciples thought this was so insignificant that they tried to stop the parents from bringing the kids to him. But Jesus said, no, I've got plenty of time. I'm going to give abundantly of my time to these children. How many of you parents know it goes by very fast? I can remember, Didi, I can remember you telling me when my kids were tiny. It goes by so fast. And at the time, I wanted to look at you and say, you're crazy. Because last night was not fast. I didn't sleep. <laughs> Changed diapers all night. And there's seasons where, and those of you who have little, little ones, you know, there's seasons where... It feels like it crawls because you're like, man, I just wish they would eventually be able to, especially during the potty training season. Will you please learn how to go to the bathroom on your own? I've always said some of the greatest days in the life of a parent is the day that a, a parent sees their child go to the bathroom by themselves, feed themselves, bathe themselves, clothe themselves. Praise the Lord. Those are some hallelujah moments when those things happen. But, though, but time flies by. James said, 
why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And those of you know what it's like when you've, when you've raised kids and now they, you've raised them and they're out of the house. You look back and it's like a mist, right? I, the thing I think, to me, the thing that, that I hate most about being a parent is that I don't remember more of those moments. If that wasn't a picture or a video or a story we tell a lot, so much we just don't remember because it goes by so fast. So here's what I want to say to you today, parents, grandparents. Enjoy every stage of life with your child. Enjoy the moment that you have. Don't just say, boy, I wish they were little again. Enjoy the moment that you have when they're teenagers. Enjoy it as they go through the years. I, I want to tell you, just a couple of days ago, my oldest son, Trent, who, who's a youth pastor in, in Richmond Hill, we had a chance to, to ride together to, to an event in Tifton. And we, we rode together in the car for three hours. And now he's an adult. He's out on his own. And for three hours, we had adult conversations. We compared notes about what God's doing in his life and in my life and in our churches and you know what? I missed those moments when he was little and, and got up in my arms and we spent that time together laughing and playing. I wish I could take him back into the, into the bedroom and get on the bed and, and wrestle and break the bed frames like we broke multiple bed frames wrestling, jumping off the dressers. And we had, we had WCW on our bed with my three kids for years. I don't do that anymore. The last time I did it, a few years ago, I was like, okay, I can't, several years ago, like, when they get bigger than you, that's when you stop, okay? I've learned that, okay? Especially when you got two boys, too, because they can put you down at that point. But, you know, enjoy every moment and every season you have with your child. Does that make sense? Give abundantly. So train specifically, touch lovingly, give abundantly. If you're not mad with me yet, now you're going to get mad because we're going to talk about discipline. Discipline correctly. Discipline correctly. Perhaps the greatest challenge we have as imperfect parents is how to discipline. Can I get a better amen this morning? Is that not the biggest challenge that we have as parents? How do we discipline these kids? I saw this meme yesterday. I was like, this is perfect. I got to share this with you. <laughs> that one child that likes to text your gangster. <laughs> you got them, right? And they, they test your ability, your ability to be able to discipline. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you another family photo. Look at this one. Let's go back to point number two, touch lovingly. <laughs> this guy's doing some discipline in the middle. And you, we've all been there, right? We want to discipline like this, okay? Speaking of WWE, we want to choke slam those kids, right? But listen to what the scripture says. Let's go to the word. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Anybody ever had the Lord discipline you? Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. So God sets a great example for us. He disciplines us when we get out of line, right? So that means that we're to discipline our family. We, we began this morning with some proverbs of some things that we can do to train specifically for our children. And let, let's return to the proverbs that give us some examples of how we discipline. Proverbs 19, 18 says, Discipline your children for in that there is hope. 
do not be a willing party to their death. Man, I read that yesterday and I was like, wow, the word hope blew off the page at me. Look at that, y'all. Discipline your children, for in discipline there's hope. I've seen families in situations where you look at their kids and they're running amok and they're wild and crazy and they seem hopeless and there's a reason why. There's no discipline in that house. When you discipline, you bring hope that they are going to do the things that you're trying to lead them to do. Proverbs 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. That's in the Bible. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Craig Rochelle says this. Discipline isn't something you do to your child, but for your child. That's worth the price of admission this morning. Right there. So let's dig in a little bit. Let me tell you a few things about discipline. Discipline should be consistent. Discipline doesn't work when you say, don't do that, and they go do it, and then you don't do anything about it. That is lazy parenting. You will reap. Discipline should be consistent. Discipline should be unified. Mom and dad, you got to get on the same page. I know it's tough. But get on the same page and work it out. How are you going to make this happen? Discipline should be varied. What I mean by that is it should be varied by child and by method. How many of you know all your kids are different? You have multiple kids. You know this is different. Every child needs to be disciplined differently. So you're going to discipline one one way and one another. And the methods are different. See, discipline doesn't just mean the rod that it talks about in Proverbs. Discipline is not just that they get a spanking or whatever, whatever that is, the most harsh thing. Discipline comes in a number of ways, and you've got to figure out your child and what works in your house. Discipline should be driven by love, not anger. James Dobson says, don't discipline, don't spank specifically when you're mad. Cool off. Give yourself some time. Discipline should be driven by love. Discipline should be done promptly. Don't put it off. Now, that kind of goes almost counter to what I just said, right? But cool off for a minute and then get after it, okay? <laughs> Discipline should, be, should include, this is so important, instruction and reconciliation. Have those conversations. Don't ever discipline your child without that conversation before and after. I've said this to you many times. That's, that's one of the best things my dad did. Every time I got a spanking... Every time I got a whipping, we didn't get spanking. We got whippings in North Carolina. When I got a whipping, he would, it always ended with me sitting down with him in, when I was little enough in his lap or sitting on the bed or my bed or wherever I just got worn out and him saying, this is why you got spanked and this is how much I love you. And I always left knowing that I was loved. I was in pain. And I wasn't going to do that again. It worked, but I knew I was love. Children, teenagers in the room, look. Look right here. This is for you. A wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. Your parents know what's best. They've been down this road before. Listen to what they say. Let me give you one more thing on discipline. The great motivational speaker Zig Ziglar said this, A child who has not been disciplined with love by his little world will be disciplined without love 
by the great big world. Let that sink in. You've got them for a small amount of time. Discipline them. It's biblical. It's what we're called to do. God disciplines us. So we need to discipline our children. Is that good? Are we helping anybody today? Train specifically. Touch lovingly. Give abundantly. Discipline correctly. And here's the next one. Encourage endlessly. You should be your child's biggest cheerleader. Your child will be less likely to seek affection from other sources that are unhealthy if they know in that house you're telling her as a teenage girl, girl, you're beautiful. You've got great potential, great plans. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You encourage your children endlessly. Let them hear you cheer them on. Go back to our story of Jesus. It says, Jesus placed his hands on them. The disciples rebuked them. And Jesus saw this. He was indignant. We read that. He said, let them come to me. And then look what the next verse says. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. He encouraged them. Can you imagine what it was like to receive encouragement from Jesus? Man, you would have been flying high after walking away, a little kid. Imagine what Jesus said to them as he encouraged them. And, and look at this verse right here. You've heard it a million times, but I don't think you may have ever heard it in the context of what we're talking about here. Matthew three seventeen. I read this in this context, and I've never thought about it like this before until yesterday. God speaks when Jesus comes out of the water from being baptized by John the Baptist, and God says, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Do you see here a father who's encouraging his child? Do you see that? How powerful example. God the father spoke life and encouragement over his son. What was it like? He had been, it had been so long since he had heard the audible voice of his father. But his father's voice booms out of heaven and says, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What's going to happen to your children, your sons and daughters when you say to them, You are my son. You are my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. You make me proud. I love this saying. Remind your kids of who they are and whose they are. My dad says that to my kids all the time. I love to hear that. That's such a powerful statement. Remind your children who they are and whose they are. Now let me say something to those of you in the room who have kids who are prodigals, who are away from God. They're grown and they're running away and they're as far from God as they can be. This point right here is very important for you to hear. You still need to encourage your kids. You don't have to encourage their sinful lifestyle. But the only thing that they ever hear from you better not be if you don't straighten up, you're going to hell. 
Because they're going to stop calling and they're going to stop coming over. Can you try something different? They already know how you feel. They already know what's going. They already know what you believe because they you raised them. They know they're in sin. They know they're running. They know they're a prodigal. First of all, pray the prayer of the prodigal son that they will come to their senses in the miserable part of the the the, the hog pen of their sin. Come to their senses and return to the father's house. Pray that over them first. But then find something about their life that you can encourage them with. If they have a steady job and they're a hard worker, they're already above a lot of people in our country. Amen? So tell them, I appreciate the way you work hard. You're good at that job. I appreciate how you provide for your family. I appreciate the way that you... um, You serve your wife or your spouse. I appreciate that even though you've gone through a divorce, you're still there for your kids. I appreciate that you still call me. Find something to turn it around. My goodness, no wonder they don't want to call or be around you if all you do is hound them and beat them down. I hear you, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit just said, let him do his job. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin. And that doesn't mean we don't share. But what it means is we allow Him to do what He does. It's the Holy Spirit who turns a heart. The only reason why you came to God is not because somebody pounded you. It's because you heard the Word and God gripped your heart and you came because of that. Pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit over over their lives. Pray it on them. Don't tell it to them. And encourage them. Pastor, I've been doing this for years. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. I'm going to give you a scripture in just a moment that's going to tell you why you need to keep doing it. But sometimes we try to be the police in the lives of our kids. we got to let the Holy Spirit do that job. I can't change a life. I can spit, scream, yell, run, Tear things up in here. But the Holy Spirit just reminded me again right there. It's like the only reason anything happens in this room, it has nothing to do with me. It has completely to do with the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through somebody who is totally imperfect to speak to you to say, hey, this is what I need to do. And it's the same thing with your kids. Unleash the Holy Spirit on your kids through prayer and putting them before God. Amen? encourage them and here's the last point as you guys give me some some music we've said train specifically touch lovingly give abundantly discipline correctly encourage endlessly and here's the last one lead intentionally lead intentionally listen to this quote from Edward Duke of Windsor the thing that impresses me most about America is the way parents obey their children. Y'all think that's a misprint. It's not. Look at that. Holy Spirit, convict some parents right now. This is their home. Are you leading your children or are your children leading you? I'm looking in the room this morning. There's a lot of teachers and administrators are in our school system. 
And I know some of you ladies, this is what you do at your job. You deal with this. And you deal with this all day long because of what we're talking about this morning. Because kids lead the parents and the parents aren't leading. You're called by God to lead your kids. Step up. Have a backbone. You're not going to hurt them. If you discipline and you do it with love and you encourage, all those things work together. Are you leading your kids or are your kids leading you? Think about that. You set the tone for the home spiritually. Be intentional. Joshua was very intentional at the end of his life. Everything had been distributed. We talked about it last month in, as we read through the book of Joshua. Everything's distributed. Everybody's in the land as God said they would take the land. And on his deathbed, he said, one more time, I want y'all to know this. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. In this house, we go to church every Sunday that we're not on vacation. At this house, we give 10%. At this house, we put God first. In this house, whether you like it or not, you're going to love each other. I've heard Tressa tell that to our kids. You're on the same team. You're going to like each other. You're going to love each other. You're going to get along. We're on the same team. In this house, we put God first. In this house, we're going to serve the Lord. Look at these stats right here. Kids who become active Christ followers as adults. Watch this. If mom and dad go to church, 72% of kids will as adults. If mom only went to church, 15%. If dad only, 55%. That stat alone, men, should wake you up and let you understand how important your God-given role is in the house as a man. If neither, 6%. That's a big stat, y'all. Thank you, moms and dads in this room who have done this and are doing it. God bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus as you do this and set the example for your family. Let me talk to some single moms and single dads today who are doing this on their own. And you're a little discouraged by that stat. You're already ahead of the curve. And by having them in church, even though you don't have a spouse to come with you or single mom, you're raising them on your own, you keep coming to church because you're putting them in an environment to hear from godly men that are missing in the home. And they hear a godly man every Sunday pour in their life in Kid City. And they hear a godly man every Wednesday night pour into their life in the youth movement. And they're surrounded by godly men who help them to do that. You're not alone. This is why the body is so important. Lead intentionally. Our theme scripture for this series, Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and put them into practice, intentionally hearing it and doing it, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came, the stream rose, the winds blew. It beat against that house and it, what church, did not fall. Why? Because it had been built on the rock. My family may not be perfect, but my foundation is how do we lead intentionally we do what we read at the beginning of this message 
Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. Impress these commandments on your children. Everybody say impress. That means repeat. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Somebody say talk. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Somebody say tie. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Somebody say write. Somebody say praise God for Hobby Lobby who, who actually takes, I know we're laughing, but they actually have built a store Anybody got some Hobby Lobby stuff in your house that says scriptures on it? You're living out Deuteronomy 6. Praise God for you, Hobby Lobby and Moses. <laughs> Action verbs. Impress, talk, tie, write. Proverbs 22.6 says, Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. Mom and dad, whose adult children are away from God, keep praying, keep believing, keep encouraging. Stand on that word. You speak what, not, what is not in faith that they are coming home in the name of Jesus. There's a reason why Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. Because he knew there would be prodigals that would need to come home. And in the meantime, if you got them in your house, you need to talk. You need to impress. You need to tie. You need to write. What is Moses saying here? He is saying here that in the normal day-to-day flow of our homes should be conversations about the things of God. If the only thing and the only time your kids hear about the things of God is between 9 and 10.30 on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, you are not leading intentionally. This must become the routine in your house. When we have direction, when we need direction as a family, we're going to pray. When when you've had a bad day, son, eight years old, coming in, getting bullied, what are we going to do? We're going to pray together about that situation. When grandma gets cancer and we don't know what's going to happen, we're going to pray together as a family. We're going to let our kids know where do we go when things get rough. Where do we go in difficult times? We already know because we've been tied around our fingers. We've been writing it over the door frames of our houses we walk in and see it the the, the scriptures that we bought down at the Hobby Lobby that say in this house we will serve the Lord God comes first under this roof and as long as you live in this house you're going to come to church as long as you live in this house you're going to give 10% of that job down there that you're working as long as you live in my house Somebody needs to get a backbone this morning like we did in the old days and say as long as you live in this house, this is how we're going to do things. We're going to serve God in this house. Amen. That's what Moses was talking about. Be intentional. Don't be scared of it. Men, get a backbone and do this. Lead. Lead by example. You get, say it, one shot. Don't look in the rearview mirror with regrets. Leave it as they'll do tonight in L.A. 
the Rams and the Beagles will leave it all out on the field. It's the last game of the year. They made it to the biggest game. They'll leave it all out on the, on the field. And when it's said and done, I want somebody to be able to look at Les and Trust and say they left it all out in the field. They did everything they could do in their minds and their spirits that they knew to do in their imperfections to know that their three kids would cross the finish line in heaven either before them or after them. That's the only thing I want is that my three kids and my wife go to heaven with me. That's the most important thing in life. That's the only thing that matters. But we've got to be intentional. It doesn't just happen. So again, I want to ask you today, are you leading your children or are your children leading you? What's the temperature of your house when it comes to these things? Let's bow our heads this morning and pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's so practical. Everything we need to know about life is right here. And Lord, we found some very clear instructions today in your word about even in our imperfections, what we're supposed to be doing and striving for as parents. And Lord, we pray today, God, and ask you to empower us. We can't do this without you, Lord. It's a huge job. It's a massive job. We need you to help us, Father. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, today in our imperfections, in the things that we miss and get wrong, Holy Spirit, to empower us and strengthen us. No matter what stage we're in, it's never too late to recorrect re some of the mistakes or behaviors that we've, we've done in raising our kids. So, Lord, today we ask you today in this place to give us a holy, righteous, Holy Ghost-filled anointing to be the moms and dads and grandparents that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me right now? How many of you, as you're standing, how many of you have prodigal kids or grandkids who are away from the Lord? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Prodigal kids or grandkids that are away from the Lord. Keep your hands up. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, right now, call their name out. Lord, I pray for, call them out. We pray right now in the name of Jesus. You see these hands that are up. Every hand, Lord, represents a son or a daughter who's away from you. And God, we pray that the power of the Holy Spirit, wherever they're at, Lord, that you would bring them home. Jesus, you told that story to give us hope. 
to know that you do bring the prodigals home. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would go to wherever they are. And that word that's been deposited in them by moms and dads who knew you, who weren't perfect, but deposited it in them, God, may it come alive. May you put somebody around them who's going to, to an unexpected Christian co-worker or friend or neighbor who's going to begin to water the seeds that have been planted. Lord, we speak life into situations that are dead. We speak life into those who've been running for years and years and years, and they're running away. But God, we pray in the name of Jesus, you would draw them back. We pray as you hear those names that are going up right now as we're, we're calling out those names, God. You've heard those names in prayer. We believe in prayer today. We stand on the authority of your word that you are a good, gracious, loving, and merciful God who wants to see those children come home. And we pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, do your work. Draw them back to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. How many of you right now in this room, you've got kids, five you have kids five and under. Let me see your hand. Five and under. Wow, look at this. Five and under. Hey, I hope we're helping you in this series to tell you some things that's going to help you to be able to do what you're doing well. I want to pray for you right now. Will you lift your hands, parents, five and under, lift your hands and begin to call the names of your children. Lord, I pray right now for every child that's represented by the names that are being called out right now. You see them in the, in the early years of their lives. And Lord, I'm so proud of these moms and dads that are in this house this morning. They care about the future of their parents. God, empower them and equip them and use them in the name of Jesus to be able to be the moms and the dads and the examples that their children will be lifelong followers of Jesus. How many of you got children between 5 and 12? Let me see your hand. Will you call out their name right now in prayer? Lord, in these formative years, Lord, as they're, as they're playing ball, as they're in elementary school, as they're learning all these different things, Lord, we ask you, God, that you would help them, Lord, to learn and know the things of God. Lord, that, that understanding the principles of Scripture just comes a part of who they are in their normal lives, God. They know what it's like to pray. They begin to know what it's like to read your word. God, give them a hunger and a thirst for the things of God, the, the people of God, the house of God, and the word of God. Let's pray for some teenagers and young adults. How many of you got teenagers, young adults between 12 and early 20s? Let's pray for them. Lift your hands, lift your voice. Oh, they need you to pray for them. The world wants them. The enemy wants their soul. But in the name of Jesus, you're not going to have our sons and daughters. You will not have our teenagers and young adults. God, you're raising up a generation that will know you and serve you and follow you all the days of their lives. We pray that and we ask that and we believe that. We pray that the seeds that have been planted through the Word of God in the house of God in Kid City and the youth movement would produce a harvest of teenagers and young adults who want to 
to find the purpose and plan for their lives. God, may they settle for nothing but your perfect will, and may they settle for nothing but the mate that you have for them. No shortcuts. May they only find what you have, and may they walk in it in the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Now, somebody lift up both hands and give him thanks for the promises of his word. He's a faithful God. He's a good God. He's true to his word. He will finish what he started in your kids, in your grandkids, in your grown kids. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask, think, or imagine. And we believe it and declare it in this house in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's say it. Let's speak Jesus over our families. Come on. Can we sing that part right now? Come on, let's say it. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Come on. Jesus in the street. Over every enemy. Come on. Shout Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Say that again. Shout Jesus, come on and say it today. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Oh, come on, say it over your family. Shout Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Say it again. Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus. Come on. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Shout Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus. Your name is, your name is, your name is power, your name is here. there that hit me let's go back let's go back we were praying first thing we prayed for moms and dads who have prodigal kids let's pray that right now every stronghold come on somebody pray with us every stronghold over the lives of children and grandchildren that are away from the Lord in the name of Jesus we speak the name of Jesus over every stronghold over every stronghold of pornography over every stronghold of alcohol, over every stronghold of drugs, over every stronghold of rebellion, over every stronghold of homosexuality, over every stronghold that the enemy has over their life, Satan, take your hands off. In the name of Jesus, we speak life. We speak life. We speak freedom. We speak in the name of Jesus because your name is life. Your name is power. Your name. Say that again. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Oh, yes. Say break. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn 
kids today over every heart and every mind because I know your peace within your presence I speak Jesus Lord we stand on the authority of your word today as we go your word says it we read it start children off in the way they will go and even when they're old they'll not turn from it thank you for what you're going to do as a result of our prayers today God thank you for your faithfulness and your love we know you love them more than we do it is in your heart that they come back to you it's in your heart that the kids we're raising right now are lifelong followers of you so we pray for our kids and I pray for our parents Lord right now every parent every grandparent Lord, may we take something from this challenge today. May we immediately put it in, in practice in our lives. And God, may you use us that we'll walk across the threshold of heaven with our kids or before our kids or after our kids as it's your will that we'll spend eternity with you and them. It's all that matters, Lord. And we thank you that you equip us and empower us and use us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. My family may not be perfect. Say it with me. But my foundation is. God bless you. Have a great day.